Good morning, everyone. Great to be here. It's always such a blessing to, uh, to preach the word, and so I'm honored to, to have this opportunity. And uh, first, I want to start uh, just by making a quick announcement. Um, Pastor Paul um, is not here this morning. He's on the Emmaus Walk um, this weekend, and so he'll be back late tonight, I believe. That's correct. So anyway, but uh, uh, in spite of him not being here, I just want to thank him for the opportunity to, to come and preach. And so it's uh, certainly an honor to do so. You know, it's funny when you get the opportunity to to speak in front of people, and any of you who have done that before or even uh, thought about doing that before, your nerves get so fired up, I feel like you could just plug a car into me right now and I could just start it up, you know, so, um, so it's, always, uh, it's always fun. But uh, let me just open up with a word of prayer, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity um, together, Lord, um, with this body, um, Lord, with this church and at this time. And Father, Lord, I just pray over the next few minutes or so, Lord, that you, would, uh, that you would use me, Lord, to communicate your word um, in a sincere and honest way, Lord, in a way that is truthful um, and right um, according to uh, the message that you want us to hear. And Father, I pray for open hearts, uh, open minds, Lord, and, and most of all, Lord, that your word would be open to us, Lord, for without your spirit, well, we can't understand any of it. Um, so, Father, I just pray that You'd speak to each one of us today, Lord, in the way that you have planned for us, Lord, the way that you're able to, to take this word and just tailor it to each one of our hearts and speak to the situations that we're dealing with, Lord. And I pray that as we leave out of here today, that we would apply it to our lives and bring honor and glory to your name. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, if you turn in your Bibles, um, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'll be a little bit in some other places in that same book. Um, and specifically, I'm in chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, and we'll start there. So I'll give you a second to, to get open to that spot. That'll be our primary passage for today. We'll stay anchored there, and then we'll go into some other passages that'll help round out uh, the message. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Paul writes, With every prayer and request... Pray at all times in the Spirit, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. For those who maybe weren't here for the Battle Ready series, or maybe you're new, or, or, or if you've just been gone for a little while... Um, I thought it might be helpful just to give a little bit of background on the, the book of Ephesians. I think that'll just help um, bring some context to the letter and to the message today. But um, Ephesians is one of three prison epistles or letters that Paul wrote um, while he was imprisoned in Rome around 60 AD. The other two letters he wrote during that time were Colossians and Philemon. And Ephesus, um, in case you weren't aware, Ephesus was a large port city in the ancient world. Um, it was uh, in what is now modern-day Turkey, and according to the book of Acts, Paul visited there on two separate occasions, once for a few months in his first missionary journey, and then again for three years on his third. So when you think about Ephesus, think about New York City, think about Chicago, think about big metropolitan areas where people are intersecting from all different places in the world. So lots of different cultures are represented, lots of different beliefs, lots of people. So this is a big place. Um, when he left there, Paul said in his farewell to the Ephesian church leaders in Acts 20, and you can go back to, I think it's Acts 20 and 21, and you can read about Paul's time there, but in Acts 20, verses 25 through 31, when he was leaving, he says, And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. 
everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to as overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure dis the, the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each one of you with tears. And I bring this up because this is the backdrop. This is, this is how he left Ephesus at that time. And then sometime later now, he is in Rome in prison. And he's writing back to this church that he left. So he left under this guise of, there's definitely an air of persecution, obviously in a, in a large metropolitan culture where there was lots of paganism that was rampant. rampant. Um, Paul was writing back to encourage this body of believers um, that he had left there. And the book of Ephesians is, breaking up, is broken up into two parts. So it's six chapters. It's broken up evenly into, into two parts. The first three chapters are doctrine or teaching passages. And the second three chapters are application. And so it's one of those unique letters which really is, is great to study to see sort of how the Bible works between that, uh, between that dynamic between teaching passages and, uh, and application. So in light of the spiritual battle that we face in the Battle Ready series that we had talked about um, in chapter 6, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us the command to stand, uh, as Pastor Paul talked about in verse 14 last week. And Pastor Paul further talked about um, the first, uh, in the first lesson that we would stand in obedience, right? So that was the first thing that we talked about. And so looking at today's passage in verses 18 through 20, we're going to talk about how we stand up in prayer. That's going to be today's message. We're going to stand up in prayer. And so what is prayer? Well, the very easy definition of that would be talking to God, right? And that's something we're all familiar with. But we can also look into the Word and we can and draw out within this context, within Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, we can draw out a little bit more uh, from that. Just with that first section there where it says, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And breaking down some of those words, um, the, the, the phrase there, with every prayer... The, the, the word prayer there is a noun, which means addresses to God. And then uh, request obviously means just that, request. And then pray at all times. Pray there is a verb meaning to offer prayers. But the key part there is in the spirit. So what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Well, the opposite of praying in the spirit would be praying in the flesh, right? So using that dynamic, it helps bring it to life a little bit more. Um, Paul says in Galatians 5, 16 through 17, quote, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. And this is important, because when we pray, sometimes we're asked or led to pray for things we don't want. Anybody here today ever felt like you needed to pray for something you didn't want? Right? That's, that's part of being led by the Spirit is that God calls us to things that maybe we're not thrilled about. Right? Maybe there's a tough decision we have to make or maybe there's a, a difficult time we have to persevere through. And what we want more than anything is for God to take it away or not make us have to do that thing when the thing that we need to do is to be obedient, right? To pray through it because God is trying to use that situation to teach us something or do something. And so 
what is prayer in the context of this passage? Well, when we put all that together, it is the act of addressing God with our request under the influence of the Spirit. It's the act of addressing God with our request under the influence of the Spirit. And so from here and earlier passages in the letter, Paul both describes and exemplifies how to carry out this command. So today I want to share three prayer points with you. Three prayer points that will help us stand up in prayer and resist the forces of darkness that seek to destroy us. Prayer point number one, prayer frequency. In verse 18, Paul says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And so, quite simply, Paul is saying that we should be praying at all times. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he reinforces that by telling them to pray constantly. Now, this doesn't mean that we should become a monk and pray all day, right? And that's all we should ever do, right? You can't go to work, can't go to school, you just got to pray all day. That's not what it means. But what it does mean, practically, is that we should stay in constant dialogue with God, right? We should have an open line of communication with God throughout our day. And in fact, Jesus taught this very same principle to his disciples. In Luke 18, uh, 1 through 8, Jesus tells a parable about the importance of persistent prayer. And in conclusion of that parable, he says... Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice, end quote. And so why is it that Paul is is urging us to pray at all times? Well, quite simply, the battle is on at all times, right? So if the battle is always on, then we must always be in communication with the one who is leading us. Right? As a good soldier, how are you going to know what to do if you're not in communication with your leader? And so for us, God, our Father, is our leader in this battle. And so we must always have the lines of communication open. And also, when we pray at all times, it acknowledges the fact that we are completely dependent upon him. It's not that when we get up in the morning and we say a prayer, and then we say, okay, I said my prayer for the day, now I can go do my thing. Right? And that's, that's kind of how we treat our spiritual life sometimes but the reality is is that we need him with every moment with every breath with every decision with everything that we do we need him and by praying at all times by keeping that line of communication open we acknowledge the fact that we are completely dependent upon him when Paul urges us earlier in chapter 6 to put on the full armor of God he doesn't say put on the full armor of God sometimes or put it on occasionally right it's Put on the full armor of God, period. Why? Because the battle is always on. So the first prayer point is is prayer frequency. The second prayer point is a prayer posture, our prayer posture. In verse 18, Paul says to stay alert in this. Now, the Greek term that's used there for stay alert means to be sleepless, keep awake, keep watch. And interestingly enough, that verb is not used very often in the New Testament. In fact, what's interesting is that the other place that that verb is used is when Jesus is teaching his disciples to stay alert for his return. So when Jesus is talking about the day of the Lord, when he comes back for the day of judgment, that no one's going to know the day or the hour, that, that he's going to come like a thief in the night, and so that, he, that the disciples should be alert and ready for him. And so in the same way that we should be alert for the coming day of the Lord, we should also stay alert in prayer. We should stay alert in our prayer life. When we're in battle, we must always keep a lookout for the enemy because the enemy is always lurking and seeking to destroy us. 
The term is further qualified. You'll see there right after he says, stay alert in this. It says, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. This is a qualification of that. So we stay alert in a certain way. We stay alert first with all perseverance. Perseverance meaning to continue steadfastly, right? To stay in this. And the implication there, why does Paul say persevere? He says persevere because he knows that there's going to be obstacles. He knows that we're going to get tired, right? Anyone ever been tired and you just don't feel like praying today? You just don't feel like doing your Bible study? Has anyone ever been distracted, right? You get busy in life and you go three or four days and you're like, gosh, I don't think I've read it all or I don't you know completely skip those three days of prayer I know for me um part of my daily routine is I'm as I'm driving to work I work in Charlotte and so I have a long drive every morning and that's when I do my Bible study and that's when I do my um my prayer time or that's my quiet time in the morning so I've been doing the Bible uh in a year uh, thing and so I'll listen to the passages for that day and then I'll spend time in prayer and I've got plenty of time to do that turn the radio off and do that what's interesting though is that when I get to the weekend that routine changes, right? I don't have that long drive to Charlotte anymore, and so I often forget on the weekends, or if I'm on vacation, I often forget. So, again, that staying alert idea, uh, we've got to be ready at all times. We've got to stay alert. We've got to persevere because the implication is is that you are going to get tired and you're going to get distracted. You're not always going to feel like praying. But when you don't feel like praying, that's probably some of the times when you need prayer the most. So we've got to persevere. And then, and then secondly, he qualifies it by saying that we should intercede or there, with all intercession for all the saints. And intercession is just simply praying for others, right? And, and more specifically, he talks about praying for the saints or other believers. The implication there, of course, is obvious, which is that Paul, would, Paul is urging us to pray for others. Why? Because others need prayer. You know, it's interesting that... Um, you know, Paul urges us to do this when we could pray for ourselves, right? We could just pray on our own. And that's one of the things that I put in the growth guide for you guys to consider in community groups this week is, is why, if we can pray for ourselves, why are we being encouraged to pray for others? Why is that necessary? So that'll be something good for you guys to, to contemplate together. But practically, this prayer posture that we're talking about, practically this means that we must be intentional about our prayer life. You cannot just go through life and hope that prayer will happen. You can't just assume that, that the study of the word and that your time with God is just something that will happen on its own. You have to be intentional about that. Not driven by emotion. Holding one another accountable and lifting each other up. That's what we have to do. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that is both personal and interpersonal. It is something that you do on your own with God, and it's something that we need each other to do. And so the way we stay alert in prayer is we persevere and we intercede for each other. Prayer point number three is prayer focus. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, so that's, that's not my point here. But, but I do believe that there are some, some aspects here that we can draw from the letter to the Ephesians of some examples of things that we can pray for specifically for one another and for ourselves as well so in addition to the application that that Paul provides us here in chapter 6 and remember what I said before that the first three chapters are teaching passages and the second three chapters are application well if we go back into the first three chapters what's interesting is that Paul actually has a prayer to the Ephesians that we can look at 
So if we go back um, to chapter 1, we'll see the beginning of that prayer. Starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 17. And there in verse 17, Paul writes, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength. And so in that passage, the first thing that, that Paul talks about is that we can be, or, or for us to focus on, is an enlightenment of knowledge, right? The knowledge of him. The knowledge of him is something that we can pray for. In his book entitled Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God, author and pastor Tim Keller defines prayer as, quote, a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. He goes on to explain that, quote, because our definition understands prayer as a response to the knowledge of God, it means that prayer is profoundly altered by the amount and accuracy of that knowledge. Now think about that for a minute. When you sit down to pray with, with God or to pray to God, what is coming out in your prayers is, is the example or the evidence of what you know about him. Right, So when you pray and thank him for his holiness, it's because you're acknowledging that you understand he is holy. Or when you pray that uh, you thank him for his power and his goodness, it's because you're acknowledging that you know he is good. But if you don't know anything about God, how do you know how you should pray? Right. So the point here is that as we know more about him, our prayer life is enriched by that knowledge. And that's why the study of the Word is so important. It's because as we study the Word, we learn more about Him. And our prayer life is enriched because of that. And so Paul here is praying for, uh, for the people that he's discipled in Ephesus, that they would grow in their knowledge of Him, knowing that their prayer life will grow as well. And so, um, so what knowledge of him does Paul call out here? Well, he calls out three things. And I love when the Bible does things like this. It's, it's really cool to see these things together. Um, starting in verse um, 18, he, well, there's three things he mentions. So when he talks about the knowledge of him, there's three aspects of, of knowledge of him that he calls out. One is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. The second one is the glorious riches of his inheritance. And the third thing is the greatness of his power. The hope of his calling, the, uh, the glorious riches of his inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of his power. And so you see three his, his calling, his inheritance, his power. These are the things that, that Paul wants to know. The hope of his calling is the very salvation of our souls, the commission to participate in sharing the gospel with others, the fact that you were once in darkness and you have been called out into his marvelous light. That is the hope of his calling. You were lost. You in your flesh could not come to him. Everything about you rebels against everything that is him. And it's only because of his grace and his mercy that he called you out from where you were into an eternal hope that no one can take from you. 
So it's the hope of his calling that Paul wants you to know. The second thing he wants you to know is the glorious riches of his inheritance. We are taught through the scriptures, and, and Paul even talks about a little bit earlier in, in chapter 1, about these, these blessings, these eternal blessings that we received, is that when you become a believer, you have inherited the kingdom and eternal life with him. Right? The glorious riches of his inheritance. Right? The, the, the essence of the kingdom of God itself. You have been adopted into the body of Christ, and you are an heir like Christ himself to these riches and glory, right? Not material riches, not material wealth, but eternal riches and eternal glory and eternal life with him. And then thirdly, the immeasurable greatness of his power. And that sort of leads us to um, this sort of next uh, focus is if you turn over to um, uh, chapter 3, he's, he picks up this prayer there. So he, he prays through to, to verse 19 and then he goes over to chapter 3 and he picks it up there in uh, verse... 16, actually I'll start with verse 14, uh, 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so here, Paul is talking about power, right? So when he talks about this, this power there in verse 16, that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit, well, what power is he referring to? Well, if you look back over into the, at the end of chapter 1, he says there in verse 20, he demonstrated this power, right? So he's about to tell you what this power is. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by doing what? Raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the, in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The power that Paul is referring to the power that you have inside of you is the power of his resurrection. That is what makes everything different. Without the resurrection, we have no purpose being here. Right? Everything about the gospel hinges on the fact that Christ was raised from the dead. Right? That he conquered death for us all. Paul explains this a little bit more in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You don't have to turn there, but he says in verse 13 through 14, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is without foundation, and so is your faith. He goes on in verses 21 and 22 and says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam... We all died, so also in Christ we will be made alive. That is the power that Paul wants us to be aware of. That is the knowledge that he wants us to have. And what's interesting is that when you go back to that passage there in chapter 3, when Paul is talking about power, so he starts off talking about being strengthened with power, and then he goes down a little bit further and he says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and breadth. And he, so he goes from strength and power and starts talking about love. 
And as I was working through this, this message this week, that was where my spirit was kind of wrestling. As I'm like, what's the connection between those two things? Is he talking about strength and then he changes to talking about love? Or is there some kind of relationship between the two things? And what I believe the Lord revealed to me through this, uh, this week is that the power of God in his resurrection is the very realization and comprehension of his love for us, right? In John 3, 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And in, in the evidence, in, in the example of that resurrection, we see his great love for us. Paul is, is praying that, that they would be strengthened with power so that, not so that you can go out and beat people up, right? It's not that kind of power. It's the power to to move through this life in a victorious way that honors him and that is for your own good and for the good of others so that you would comprehend and know the vast love of God for you. In 1 John 4, uh, 18, uh, John tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And what happens when when we're in the battle? When we're in the battle, we get scared, right? And so here... Paul is talking about to these, this Ephesian church who's in the middle of persecution, who's dealing with different trials and battles, who's dealing with a society that is completely against their life and in their faith. And he's encouraging them to get into the knowledge of God, grow in the knowledge of God, specifically by understanding the knowledge of him and being strengthened with power. And in that power, not so that you will overcome the people who are overcoming you, but that you will be so filled with the love of God that you won't be afraid anymore because you know that the same resurrection that applied to your Savior is the same resurrection that applies to you. See, one day, no matter what happens to us here on this earth, when it all comes to an end right here, physically, you're going to be raised from the dead, just like Christ, right? One day, the trumpets will sound, right? Jesus is going to come back, and he is going to call everyone who has died here. Their bodies will be raised from the dead. And, and 1 Corinthians 15 is, a, is an excellent passage. It talks all about the resurrection, and, and I highly encourage you to, to go back and look at it. It's very encouraging. It's very inspiring. But the point is, is that through God's great love for us, that he has raised us and, and us with him, and so that we don't have any reason to be afraid in the battle. We don't have to worry because he's already won the victory for us. Um, the final uh, thing that, that Paul uh, asked uh, th- them to focus on, and this kind of goes back to sort of the more practical side in, um, in chapter 6, there towards the end, and he's sort of praying for himself and praying for them, but, but he says there in verse 19, he goes, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. And here, the, the last focus is, you know, we talked about the knowledge of him. We talked about being strengthened with power. And then finally, speaking with boldness. Notice there what Paul says. He says, that the message may be given to me. Paul's not coming up with his own message. Right? God, God is not calling us to go tell people what we think. Right? What we think is not important. Right? What matters is what is the truth of his word. That's what we're being called 
to talk to people about, right? When we, when we intercede for people in prayer or when we go and we counsel other believers, we're not there to give them our opinion. We're there to, as, as best we can, convey the message that God is giving to us through his word, which all the more encourages us to be deep in his word. The message, we, we should be praying that the message will be given to us, not our words, but his. And then secondly, that we would be bold enough to speak them. Right, maybe you've been in that situation before where there's someone in your life and you feel like they're on the wrong track and you know you've got that, that urging, right? You know the Spirit is leading you to say something to that person and it's the last thing in the world you want to do because you're afraid that it's going to break that bond, right? It's going to hurt that friendship or, or what have you. But that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to tell the truth and love to one another, you know, when it comes to the gospel itself, I heard a pastor say one time, you know, a lot of times we, we shy away from telling people the truth and we'll say it's because we love them and we don't want to hurt their feelings. But really the worst thing we could do if we truly love someone is not tell them the truth. Right? What the people you love need the truth more than they need anything. Right? If there's something that's going to intervene and save their life, that's going to get them off the wrong path, they need to hear that. And you can only pray that God will help them to understand, right, that that's where you're coming from, that you're, that you're trying to help. And if they don't in this life, hopefully they will in the next, right? I mean, you know, yes, we, we, we want to we wanna, we wanna befriend people, we want to encourage people, and, and that's what telling the truth is. And if people don't understand that, then sometimes that's just the, that's just the hard knock, so to speak, right, of being a believer. That's just the reality sometimes, is that not everybody is going to like you for telling them the truth. In fact, most people don't because it's convicting, right? It, it, none of us like having our toes stepped on, but that's what we need. And so in speaking with boldness, we should pray, number one, that God gives us the message, right? Especially in those times when that message is tough, you especially want to know that God is speaking to you. And secondly, that... Um, that you will be bold enough to speak as you should. What's interesting in this is that, um, and I read this out of that, that Tim Keller book, which I thought was very profound. He said that in all the letters that Paul wrote, he noticed that not one time did Paul ever pray for their circumstances to change. Now, isn't that strange? Because... If you're like me, that's mostly what I'm praying for, right? When, when someone's in a bad spot, I'm praying, God, please change these circumstances, right? Let that, that illness go away. Um, get them out of this tough spot. Help, help this, this oppression, you know, go away from them, right? That's, that's the type of things that we pray for. We just want the pain to go away. We just want to push those things away. And yet Paul, for his friends, knowing that they're going through persecution, knowing that they're going through difficult times... Paul never prays for that. And similarly, Paul himself, writing this letter from prison, doesn't say, hey guys, can you lift me up here and uh, you know, pray that the Romans will let me go, right, so I can come and come back? I mean, I'd really like to get out of jail and all that. Right? Ne he never prays for that. He doesn't pray that his prison sentence will go away. Instead, what is he praying for? He's praying that he will be given a message. He's praying that he'll be able to speak with boldness. And the point is this, and this is the point that Tim Keller was making as well, is that 
Number one, it's not wrong for us to pray for a change in circumstances. That's the first thing, right? So I don't want you to walk out of here and think, well, gosh, I can't pray for circumstances to change. Well, that, that didn't feel good. That's not the point, right? It's, it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with praying for circumstances to change. However, there's something more important to pray for. And what Paul is trying to say to the Ephesians is that more important than your circumstances changing is that you know him more. Because, see, when you know him more, it changes your perspective on your circumstances. Right? You're no longer thinking about the jail cell that you're in. You're thinking about the great opportunity you've been given to preach the gospel in what was the center of the universe at that time. Right? That's what Paul was thinking about. Paul's thinking about the fact that I'm in Rome. I am at the center of the world right now. And I have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. That's what happens when you know him more. And it's because, because of this that there was something better. This leads to the big idea uh, for the day. So the big idea for today, and this is courtesy of Tim Keller, so I can't take any credit for this. Um, but he says, quote, Prayer is not merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God. Prayer is not merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God. And folks, that's what we want, right? In the end, that's, that's what we want. We want more of him because as we get more of him, our circumstances become less relevant. Our circumstances matter less. And that's the place we want to get to where we're not as concerned about what's going on around us, but having the peace of knowing that God is in control of it all. No matter where you are in the battle, where you're, whether you're on the front lines, whether you are recuperating <laughs> from some difficult situations you've been in, or whether you're running supplies to other people who are on the front lines, right? Wherever you're at in that battle, stand up in prayer. By praying at all times, by staying alert with all perseverance and intercession for others, and focusing on the knowledge of Him, the comprehension of his great love and boldness to speak the words he lays on your heart. So to close, um, I'd like for ask all of you just to stand uh, with me here. We're just going to pray together. And as we pray, I just want you to, to take a second and close your eyes and just think about someone in your life who needs prayer, right? This is a time for intercession, right? We can just, we can just do this together right here. So we're just going to intercede. Everybody, I'm sure, has someone on their heart. And if you're going through a difficult time right now, don't worry about it because someone's thinking about you. I promise you that. God's got someone thinking about you. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. Think about someone who needs intercession and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together. And, and Lord, I pray that there are so many different circumstances represented in this room today, Lord, that there are challenges and obstacles and different things that people are facing. And, and Lord, you've laid someone on all of our hearts, Lord, that need intervention, Lord, that need your peace, that need to know more of you. And Father, I pray that, that while, yes, Lord, we, we ask, um, Lord, humbly and mercifully, Lord, that, that circumstances would be alleviated to some extent. But more than that, 
Lord, we pray that we would grow, that those people that we're thinking about, Lord, would grow through these circumstances in their knowledge of you. Lord, that the knowledge of your great love, that of your inheritance, of your calling, of your, uh, your, your power, Lord, would, would become so evident to them in their life that it would transform the way they see their circumstances, Lord, and that they would know and they would be able to see the victory that you've, that you've brought to them. Lord, help us in our trials and our tribulations, Lord, to, to speak your truth with boldness. Lord, that you would give us the words that we should say and that we would say them, Lord, in a way that is, that is loving and that is faithful and, that, Lord, that helps people see, Lord, that you are in control. And, Lord, I'll, I'll close uh, with what Paul uh, wrote here to the church of Ephesus. He said, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.